This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. The border takes center stage. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. The U.S.-Mexico border, the focus of attention today as both the current president and former one visit there. President Biden in Brownsville, Texas this afternoon. Chris Cabrera leads the local Border Patrol Union. I'm glad, glad he's finally here, but I think uh, the timing's a little off. If he would have come a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, I think it would have been a good thing. This is only the president's second trip to the border since taking office. Rice University's Mark Jones says he has to prove to the American people that border security is a priority. Biden's narrative is I take the border and immigration seriously. I had a plan. Republicans blocked it. 7.3 million migrants have entered the country illegally since the president took office. That's a number that's higher than the population of 36 states. Political analyst Larry Sabato. President Biden and Democrats have fully recognized how important this issue is in the presidential campaign and how helpful it has been to Donald Trump and the Republican ticket as a whole. Former President Trump also at the border today. He's in Eagle Pass, or as the locals call it, Illegal Pass, a few hundred miles from where Mr. Biden is. Laura Reese is an expert on immigration issues at the Heritage Foundation. This is a number one issue for Americans in poll after poll because it affects so many aspects of their lives, and particularly crime right now. We are being overrun with cases of illegal aliens who are committing heinous crimes. Over three times more migrants have entered this country in President Biden's first three years in office than all of Donald Trump's four years in office. Wildfires continue to torch Texas. More than a million acres have burned and one day death is being reported in the panhandle. Reporter Guad Venguez has more from the tiny town of Canadian, Texas. In an instant, the inferno surrounded rural communities, sending livestock fleeing and people rushing to evacuate. You were watching this burn? Yes, it was so hot you could barely breathe. Satellite images show entire neighborhoods charred. The flames, driven by unseasonably high temperatures, dry conditions, and strong winds, creating rare fire nados. The tornadic fire would whirl and whirl, and, and, and it was a sound and a feeling. It was so hot. Right there, funnel, funnel. It comes as the National Weather Service confirms more than a dozen tornadoes touched down in the Midwest on Tuesday, leaving behind a trail of destruction. The massive Smokehouse Creek fire is already the second largest in Texas history. There's been a deadly confrontation in Gaza over the distribution of humanitarian aid. More than 100 Palestinians killed today in an Israeli attack on the territory. A crowd of Palestinians gathered on a coastal road in Gaza City 
They were hoping to get food and flour from an aid distribution point. The Palestinian Authority says Israeli forces opened fire on that crowd of unarmed civilians. They are calling this a massacre. Now, an Israeli government official confirms Israeli troops used live fire. They are saying the crowd posed a threat to soldiers there. They're not saying what this threat could have been. The Israeli military is also saying at least some of the casualties may have been caused by trampling in the crowd. Correspondent Raf Sanchez in the Middle East today. The U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in late April on Donald Trump's immunity claims over his federal election interference case. Legal analyst Laura Jarrett says a ruling from the high court won't likely come until late June. The immunity issue, one that could make or break prosecutors' case against Donald Trump. The Supreme Court's involvement on this could hand him a win or a loss, but either way, the calendar works to his advantage, making the chances that he will face trial before Election Day more remote by the day. The justices will decide whether Trump is protected from prosecution because his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election happened while he was still in office. It's the changing of the guard on Capitol Hill. Republican Mitch McConnell, the longest serving Senate leader in history, announcing he's stepping down in November. McConnell will leave his leadership post later this year as the most consequential and controversial Senate leader in decades. But the party he helmed for so long is changing, and he says it's time for the leaders to change with it. Garrett Hake on Capitol Hill says the fierce battle to succeed McConnell is already underway. Several senators acknowledging it will likely be a contest between top Republicans known as the Three Johns. Wyoming Senator John Barrasso, Texas Senator John Cornyn, and South Dakota Senator John Thune. The 82-year-old McConnell stepping down after a 40-year career in the U.S. Senate. The Biden administration says it will pay college kids who register voters for the 2024 election. Students would receive the funds through the federal work study program, which is funded by taxpayers. Bad idea, says former White House press secretary Ari Fleischer. Who do you think they're going to register? They're not going to go to NASCAR events and register people who go there. They're going to go to where Democrats are. And this is why elections should be left to the states per the Constitution. And it's unprecedented for the federal government to do this. No one has done it before. Polls show young voters are evenly split in their support of President Biden and former President Trump. Experts say Gen Z and millennial voters could prove to be a key demographic in this year's election. A legendary stand-up comic has died. Would you welcome Richard Lewis? For decades, Richard Lewis was a constant hit on late-night television. I wake up at 1 in the morning, I take a quick shower, I am down to that DMV at 2.15 a.m., and there are 25,000 people wrapped around the DMV. Marjorie Serletta has more with the Associated Press. Richard Lewis was known for turning his anxieties into stream-of-conscious stand-up. He also starred with Jamie Lee Curtis in the TV series Anything But Love, as Prince John in the film Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and in Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David, who he met at sports camp as kids. Lewis said in a 2008 AP interview, musician Lou Reed told him what his legacy would be. He said, you're going to be that neurotic Jewish comedian 
I don't care if you win three Oscars. That's it. So, you know, get over it. And I did get over it. Richard Lewis suffered a heart attack this week after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He was 76. Still to come on the Noon Report, serious snowfall in central New York, redrawn maps signed into law, and the death of a Pennsylvania Amish woman. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. As they say, what a difference a day makes. Our spring weather has given way to winter, but spring weather returns heading toward the weekend. I'll have forecast details in 10 minutes. All right, Kim, thank you very much. A lake snow warning in effect till 7 tonight for several counties near Lake Ontario. Schools in the Syracuse suburbs closed today due to wind-whipped snow, blizzard-like conditions at times. It's piling high. Places like Auburn, Cortland, and Norwich. More than 80,000 customers lost power from last night's windstorm in New York, most of them in the capital region. There were over 27,000 reported outages in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. The New York legislature has approved and Governor Hochul has signed a new look congressional map for this year's election. It divvies up 26 congressional districts, including several that will be among the most competitive in the country with control of Congress at stake in November. The maps that were proposed by the IRC were not that terribly bad. The ones we finally adopted today made improvements on the IRC's plan, minor improvements. Democratic Assemblyman Charles Levine says the Independent Redistricting Commission gave too much power to incumbents and divided to too much communities. That's why the tweaks were made. Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort says legal challenges are not expected. There's no doubt in my mind that Democrats feel that this map is better for Democrats. But I know I've spoken to many of my members in Congress who do, th you know, who think that this is not uh, not a terrible map for Republicans. Two upstate Republican incumbents, Brandon Williams and Mark Molinaro, will face tougher reelection battles with this new look congressional map. It was standing room only last night at the Elmira Heights, New York school board meeting. Parents, teachers and students alike sounding off on a hot button issue. A transgender elementary student was reportedly denied access to a girl's bathroom by a teacher. That teacher is no longer with the district. Two students at SUNY Cortland in central New York are suing that college for what they view as a First Amendment violation. Those students were denied permission to start a Turning Point USA chapter on campus. That's a group that holds to traditionally conservative views. Gabriella Lorenzo is a senior at SUNY Cortland. We have values, we have views, and... Just let's say somebody doesn't agree with us and our ideologies doesn't mean that on campus we should be silenced. Attorney Matt Hoffman with Alliance Defending Freedom. If some dislike the ideas that Turning Point bring to campus, uh, the proper thing is to go to a Turning Point event and respectfully debate them. Um, while still recognizing their freedom of speech to bring those ideas to campus. Turning Point USA has over 3,500 chapters at high schools and colleges across the country. The murder of a 23-year-old pregnant Amish woman in Crawford County, Pennsylvania, has stunned that rural community near the town of Cory. I can't believe it. Why would somebody do that to a young girl? Rebecca Byler was found deceased in a home on Fish Flats Road in Sparta Township Monday afternoon. Her killer has not yet been found. And it looks like suspicious circumstances. Byler was six months pregnant when she was killed. The town where the murder happened is about 35 miles south of Erie. We're just a very tight-knit community, and I'm just 
just absolutely heartbroken that this has happened and I'm very, very concerned about the Amish community and worried for them. It's definitely shameful that uh, anything like this could go on here. Uh, everyone's surprised. This is very shocking. Byler's husband was the one who found the body. The Amish couple have two other children who were not harmed. Police are asking for the public's help by reporting any suspicious activity in that part of Crawford County. The economics of recreational marijuana could be a stumbling block to New York State getting an on-time budget this year. The deadline is a month away and there are still lots of problems plaguing the cannabis marketplace. Governor Hochul had a sit-down yesterday with pot dealers in New York City. There are just 77 legal marijuana dispensaries in New York State. They've done everything by the book. Governor Hochul says their existence is under attack by the thousands of illegal pot shops that are still open. Unlicensed shops charge less because they don't pay taxes. Their customer base is large because they market and sell to minors. Many have been fined, but stay open while their cases go through the courts. In the meantime, the governor wants the legislature to expand the power to shut them down to local municipalities. We'll have exponentially more people investigating and eventually helping shutter these illegal shops. And she wants social media companies to take down listings of the unlicensed shops. Mac Rosenberg reporting. Speaking of weed, there's a new study out today showing the health risks associated with the drug. Dr. Guy Minst is a heart surgeon in New York City. The reality is cannabis does increase the risk of coronary artery disease, does increase the risk of heart attack, and does increase the risk of stroke, uh, similar to smoking. Uh, I think the challenge here is to start an educational process in the uh, middle schools, the high schools, and obviously for adults and practitioners to make them aware that cannabis use is a cardiovascular risk factor. New York legalized cannabis in 2021, but plans to open hundreds of pot shops have been impeded by the proliferation of unlicensed shops, a series of legal challenges, and bureaucratic snags. Pennsylvania's largest healthcare system is rolling back its mask requirement starting today. UPMC Chief Medical Officer Dr. Donald Yeely said that the change in policy, which went into effect on December 20th, is a result of a sustained decrease in COVID-19 influenza and RSV transmission and people being hospitalized. Staff, patients, support persons, and visitors are still encouraged to wear masks, and some specific locations may continue the requirement. Brian Query, Family Life News. A beloved school teacher near Buffalo was killed this week by a drunk driver on Transit Road in Cheektowaga. 51-year-old Jennifer Hilkema taught sixth grade for 25 years at the Stanley G. Falk School. We will always remember Jen as someone that just had a gentle, kind approach. She was a true team player. Um, she was always one to step up, and that was really her role. She was a rock on the sixth grade team. Superintendent Rachel Green. It's nothing there's a lesson planned for. Um, you know, and, and as we work through that, how are we going to work through our own grief while we support the kids in their grief? Police say a drunk driver hit her car while she was pulling out of a parking lot on Monday night. New York State troopers are investigating an envelope containing white powder that was sent to the office of Attorney General Tish James. A similar envelope with white powder was also sent to the judge who oversaw Donald Trump's civil fraud case. At a drop in crime 
in Buffalo got the city's top cop a White House invite yesterday. Details on that from Family Life's Dee Haley. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, crime rates in Buffalo have been dropping, prompting an invitation to the White House for Buffalo Police Commissioner Joseph Gramalia to discuss crime decreases and the tactics used by his department to keep communities safe. Gramalia was joined yesterday by commissioners from Detroit, Philadelphia, Miami, Charlotte, Milwaukee, and others to discuss what's working in their respective cities. Dee Haley, Family Life News. All right, Dee, thank you very much. Sports next, it's the two-minute drill on Family Life. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, we begin on the ice as the Rangers split their home-and-home series against the Blue Jackets. Artemi Panarin opened the scoring in the second period, then Adam Fox followed suit. Chris Kreider scored an empty netter in the third, and Panarin scored his second goal of the night after that. The Rangers won it 4-1 over Columbus. The only other game on the ice saw Edmonton defeat St. Louis in overtime 3-2. The NBA has turned down the New York Knicks protest of the game against the Houston Rockets on February 12th. Their concerns stem from the validity of the last-second foul call that made the scoring difference. The league stated that since the foul call at issue reflected an error in judgment and not a misapplication of the playing rules, a game protest was not warranted. Knicks guard Jalen Brunson was incorrectly called for a foul with .3 seconds remaining. That led to the Rockets taking the lead and ultimately winning the game. Always tough losing a game when the official admits he blew the call. Action on the court saw Lucas Doncic celebrate his 25th birthday in style. 30 points, 16 assists, and 11 rebounds. It was his 11th triple-double on the season. And more importantly, his team, the Dallas Mavericks, beat the Raptors 136-125. to The Lakers came back from a 21-point fourth-quarter deficit to pull out a 116-112 win over the Clippers. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, Biden and Trump at the border. More violence in the Middle East. And on a lighter note, Leap Day 2024. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Throughout the Bible, for example, in Galatians 4.4 or Paul's speech to the men of Athens recorded in Acts 17, God is described as a God of historical precision. He's outside of, but fully in control of time and place. This distinctive of the Judeo-Christian understanding of God stands in sharp contrast to both pagan and polytheistic notions about deities and time and has dramatically shaped human history. And today, Leap Day is an appropriate day to think about the human relationship with time. One of the earliest examples of time anxiety in history is found in a French song, Frère Jacques. In it, Brother James is rebuked for sleeping and not ringing the bells at midnight. This song reflects the seriousness with which the church took those times that had been designated for prayer. Following Psalm 119, 164, which says, Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules, monastic liturgies included seven set times for prayer. Initially, given the changing length of day and night throughout the year, liturgical hours were not fixed. Instead, the church regularized the hours by measuring the passage of time. By the 1200s, the mechanical clock had been invented to keep pace 
with a chime that signaled when to ring the bells for the monastic hours. It was not long after that that mechanical clocks began to appear in city towers. In 1288, for example, the tower clock known as Big Ben went up across from Westminster Abbey. And just like with mechanical clocks, calendar reform was also inspired by the needs of the church, specifically the need to calculate the date of Easter, which was necessary in order to calculate the beginning of Lent, Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and the feast days of the Ascension and Pentecost. Now, setting the date of Easter required knowing the date of the spring equinox and the phases of the moon. The old Julian calendar, which first introduced the idea of leap year, had accumulated enough errors over its 1,500 years that the equinox was no longer anywhere near the theoretical date of March the 21st. However, a reform of the calendar required an update to astronomy, and that's among the factors that led Copernicus to develop his sun-centered model of the universe. It also led to the creation of the modern Gregorian calendar, far more accurate than the Julian one. In other words, both the calendar and the development of mechanical clocks were rooted in the church's recognition of the need to see the world in sacred terms, like the Sabbath and the Feast of Ancient Israel. Time and seasons remind us that our lives are not ultimately our own. They're not accidental. They have purpose. They're part of the larger story of creation to redemption. In other words, even as demanding as the clock can be, the Christian notion of time can help us from seeing the days of our lives in purely secular terms. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored with Dr. Glenn Sunshine. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Thank you, John. Outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Blustery cold, mix of clouds and sunshine flurries. Watch for Lake Snow. Several additional inches of fresh fluff in some spots southeast of Lake Ontario into the central New York area, including Syracuse. High temps, 20s and low 30s, dropping back toward 20 tonight. Tomorrow, partly sunny, turning milder. High temps approaching 50. Mild on Saturday, but cloudy with some showers and high temperatures near 50. Okie doke. Thank you, Kevin. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Lots happening Thursday, Leap Day, February 29th. A split-screen moment playing out at the U.S.-Mexico border. President Biden and Donald Trump making dueling high-stakes visits to Texas. It highlights the important role the immigration debate will play at the ballot box this year. Correspondent Gabe Gutierrez. It'll be a dramatic split-screen between both presidential frontrunners amid a record number of migrant crossings at the southern border. Biden's in Brownsville, Texas today. Trump's 300 miles away in Eagle Pass, Texas, or as the locals call it, Illegal Pass. Democratic Congressman Robert Garcia. His visit is nothing more than a massive political stunt to try to get reelected. Garcia accusing Trump of trying to make political hay out of the migrant mess. House Speaker Johnson says President Biden deserves all the blame for the illegal invasion. Joe Biden is catching them and releasing them into the country, and it's caused an absolute catastrophic effect. The president has the executive authority to fix it right now. Over three times more migrants have entered this country in President Biden's first three years in office than all of Donald Trump's four years. Massive wildfires in Texas have consumed more than a million acres and claimed at least one life. Dozens of homes and businesses have been destroyed, including this man's ranch near the Oklahoma border. It just started really fast. Flames are going everywhere. And by the time we got back, 
back where there was nothing left. In the tiny town of Canadian, Texas, folks didn't need to be told twice to flee the flame. My son and I was FaceTiming him. He's in the service. And uh, he said, Mom, leave. As the fast-moving fires quickly spread over dry grassland, cattle ranchers near Stinnett, Texas, released their livestock to escape the flame. It was absolutely unreal. The largest of the wildfires, the Smokehouse Creek fires, consumed an area larger than the state of Rhode Island. The U.S. Supreme Court will decide whether Donald Trump has immunity from prosecution in his federal election interference case. Oral arguments scheduled for late April with a ruling likely by June. I think they had to take this case. I mean, even under Supreme Court rules, when you've got an issue this tremendously significant under the Constitution that's never been decided, which this case is, that's the kind of case you want the Supreme Court to have the final say. And they've set a timeline that means they could have a decision by the end of June, which is what Jack Smith had asked for. Legal analyst Jan Crawford, reporter Scott McFarland, says that timeline could affect the scheduling of a potential Trump trial. It's going to get particularly close to things like conventions, debates, and election, which raises a different question. Does the special counsel in the Department of Justice want to hold a trial so close to those things? The justices will decide whether Trump's protected from prosecution because his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election happened while he was still in office. A deadly confrontation in war-torn Gaza today. Witnesses say Israeli troops opened fire on a crowd of Palestinians waiting for humanitarian aid. The Israeli army is looking into it. Correspondent MTS Tayab has more from Tel Aviv. A very serious issue unfolding right now with eyewitnesses saying that the Israeli military opened fire in an area near Gaza City where a crowd of Palestinians had gathered in the hopes of receiving desperately needed humanitarian assistance. Well, in a statement, an army spokesperson said that dozens of people were injured as a result of, quote, pushing and trampling as they rushed for that aid. Israeli officials say the crowd came at the troops in a threatening manner after trucks driven by Gazans plowed into them. The longest serving leader in the history of Congress is calling it a career. Senator Mitch McConnell stepping down in November. Texas Republican Ted Cruz says his greatest accomplishment was getting conservative judges and justices confirmed. By far his most consequential legacy will be hundreds of principled constitutionalists and I told Mitch at lunch, that legacy will outlast both him and me and all the rest of us, and, and that's something to be really proud of. Former Trump press secretary Kaylee McEnany says without Mitch McConnell, Roe v. Wade would probably still be the law of the land. The longest Senate leader in history is the one who held off Merrick Garland and the person who got Amy Coney Barrett through. If you're happy with those victories at the court, this man in partnership with President Donald Trump did it. The 82-year-old McConnell stepping down after a 40-year career in the U.S. Senate. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed off on a new congressional map that gives a slight edge to Democrats in this year's election. It's similar to the existing congressional map as well as a map proposed by the Bipartisan Redistricting Commission. One change could help Long Island Democrat Tom Suozzi hang on to the congressional seat he won 
one back in a special election this month. And another change will make Hudson Valley Republican Mark Molinaro's seat more competitive. The changes are minor compared to the gerrymandered districts drawn up by Democrats in 2022 and rejected by the courts. Still, they could have a major impact on which party will control the House. Sarah Lee Kessler reporting. Next at noon, a conversation with pro-life activist Maria Gallagher. She's legislative director for the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. And she's talking to Family Life's Greg Gillespie next about some of the challenges facing the pro-life movement in Pennsylvania this year. I think that it's important to realize that um, there is a great deal of misinformation in the news media and in the general public about the whole issue of abortion. You know, a lot of people don't realize how often abortion takes place in the Commonwealth right now. We have more than 34,000 abortions in a given year. That's the population of a small city. Uh, It's just outrageous. And a lot of women don't realize that there are pregnancy care centers are ready, willing, and able to provide comprehensive counseling and support for them during trying times during their pregnancies. And these centers are full-service centers. They will offer everything from diapers to daycare referrals and from maternity clothes to mentoring to help pregnant women in challenging circumstances. And so we want to get the message out to Pennsylvania women that there are hope and healing available to you. You should not feel as if your only choice is abortion. There are plenty of people ready and willing to help you and your preborn child. There has been quite a bit of talk on our airwaves with other pro-life leaders as well. They have been talking about how Governor Shapiro has taken money away from those agencies that are working with expectant moms, providing alternatives to abortion and wanting to pour that money into the programs that are encouraging the end of a pregnancy. What is your federation doing to address Address that, and what can the general public do? I think the first step that Pennsylvanians need to take is to contact their state senator and state representative and let them know that they oppose the use of alternatives to abortion money for abortion-promoting businesses. That's number one. Number two, contact the office of the governor and let the governor's office know how you feel about this, that you do not want your hard-earned tax dollars to pay for businesses that promote abortion, that you want to see taxpayer funds invested into programs that help pregnant women and their unborn children. And I think the important thing is also to get the word out, get the word out in your family, among your friends, in your community, and let them know what is going on. A lot of people don't realize the extreme nature of the abortion lobby and the extreme nature of the Shapiro administration. So we need to get the word out. Does the abortion industry really need taxpayer money to be able to make money off of the procedures they do and the pills they prescribe? The abortion industry does not need our hard-earned taxpayer dollars. It it simply does not. The abortion industry could be self-sustaining 
and not rely on taxpayer funds. But believe it or not, abortion is not as popular as the abortion industry would have you believe. And so the abortion industry has been losing in many cases in Pennsylvania and across the country. And so they need money from the taxpayers. They need a taxpayer bailout to fund their gruesome business. And that's what is happening here. That is Maria Gallagher, legislative director for the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. You're plugged into the new Report, a Thursday edition on Family Life. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Well, the cold front that sliced through the region late yesterday has returned winter to our region. The uh, snows of lake effect variety will continue today for some southeast of Lake Ontario with some tricky travel. Otherwise, the main story today, cold air and chilly winds, but won't last. Uh, higher pressure builds in, the winds shift, milder weather returns tomorrow. But for this afternoon, blustery cold, a mix of clouds and sunshine flurries. Watch for lake snow, several additional inches of fresh fluff in some spots southeast of Lake Ontario into the central New York area, including Syracuse. High temps, 20s and low 30s, dropping back toward 20 tonight. Tomorrow, partly sunny, turning milder. High temps approaching 50. Mild on Saturday, but cloudy with some showers and high temperatures near 50. All right, Kevin, we'll take 50. Thank you very much. Doing a great job, as always, at the Weather Center. And finally at noon, it's not every day you see February 29th. It has nothing to do with leaping amphibians. It all goes back to Roman times and Julius Caesar. If he didn't add that extra 24 hours to the calendar to make up for the quarter day extra it takes for Earth to complete its orbit, the seasons would get all messed up and summer would fall in December. There are about 5 million leaplings, people born on leap day around the world. The next leap day won't happen until 2028. All right. Thank you very much, Deborah Rodriguez, with that report. And uh, just like that, we are out of time. That's the world we live in. Thursday, Leap Day, February 29th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News Podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.